All right, welcome everybody to the first ever episode of the Questioning Mark podcast. All right, over here, we are the Questioning Marks. We are going to be debating and talking about what's going on in the current world of wrestling. Uh, on top of that, also, we will also be discussing what uh, happened in the history of wrestling on the days that we are joining, even comparing what's happened in the history of wrestling to what's going on now. Uh, so, with that being said, I would like to just introduce ourselves. My name is Matt. I'm pretty much your resident New Japan, Ring of Honor, AEW independent scene guy. Used to be a huge mark for the WWE crew back in the day. But uh, as time went on, I decided that I did not like it anymore. And we will get further into that type of stuff as the podcast goes on. I'm joined today with uh, my buddy, my cousin, Adam. He is our resident AEW Mark, hardcore Mark over here, all right? He is uh, very well versed in what's going on in the AEW scene right now, very well versed uh, historian as well in terms of ECW and uh, even the WWE Attitude Era and post-WWE Attitude Era where I decided to uh, leave my mark on the industry and not watch it anymore. As you can see, it did nothing uh, of the sorts. Uh, and then we are also joined today with Jared. He is one of also my longtime friends, uncle to my son, as well as Adam is too. Uh, Jared is a big time WWE mark, currently uh, follows WWE, the strongest probably out of any of us, also follows AEW. Um, I mean to circle back, both Adam and Jared also try to attempt to watch Impact Wrestling on a weekly basis. Uh, Adam is also well-versed in his TNA history, uh, definitely enjoys to talk about those good times. Uh, unfortunately, we could agree to disagree on whether the good times have continued uh, to now, and we will be discussing that. So uh, we understand that some of you are already well-versed in what's going on in the storylines in wrestling right now. So we are pretty much a podcast that's going to just be discussing the opinions of what's going on in the industry, some of the storylines that jump out to us, and even some of the backstage news that we can gather up and discuss about. Uh, I want to also introduce Sean and Bill, who are not here today. These are our resident uh, wrestling historians. They are very well versed in wrestling uh, from back, back, back in the day. I don't mean to uh, joke about their age or anything like that, but they've been watching wrestling since probably WrestleMania 1, 2, around there. Uh, and they also have very good contacts that we hear about all the time. So we're looking forward to also hopefully one day getting some really good interviews on the podcast as well. So with that being said, uh, I think we will like to begin with discussing about what's going on in the WWE world right now, since that's probably what most of you marks out there are probably interested in. We hope to also get you involved in watching some other wrestling out there as well that's probably part of the podcast goal as well here so with that being said i'd like to turn it over to jared to start discussing about what's going on in the wwe world right now and then uh you know maybe we'll open up for some debate hey guys uh you know glad to be a part of this and uh can't wait to get going um just want to uh start by talking about how I think WWE finally got the Roman Reigns character um, right. It's been years. People don't like him, whether he's 
you know, a heel or whether he's a good guy. And all of a sudden now, I know there's no fans, but now everyone is hating him. They hate his character, which means, you know, all the marks are loving the storyline. And I think he just puts, you know, I think he puts asses in the seats. Um, therefore, um, he's elevated careers like Jay Uso and, you know, the guy has main evented pay-per-view since, since this angle. And Heyman just fits right in wherever he goes, whether it's with Roman, CM Punk, or Brock Lesnar, as we all well know. Um, the one thing I don't like about this angle is, I don't know if you guys saw, but now he's going to be fighting Adam Pierce, the WWE official, at one of their cornerstone pay-per-views, the Royal Rumble. I mean, I guess you could maybe argue for a match like that at a smaller show or, I, I don't know, on Raw. But this, I mean, at Royal Rumble is absolutely insane. I mean, even though he's a six-time NWA world champion, nobody knows that. Nobody, <laughs> Normal WWE fans don't care about that. I certainly don't care. Um, and... I think they're losing part of this angle, you know, that we had just spoke about, that they perfected, you know, with this match at one of their cornerstone pay-per-views. Uh, I'd honestly love to hear what you guys think about Pierce fitting in this storyline somehow. So, uh, you know, the floor is yours on, on, on this topic, guys. I'll let uh, Adam jump in here since he hasn't uh, had a chance to really speak yet. So let's see if Adam has any... Uh input on that i definitely have some stuff to say as well so once adam is done we will uh hear my side of it well thanks matt and uh thanks again for inviting me you know this is um i, I just got to say at the opening i got to give a big shout out to matt and jared and, and, and everybody for putting this podcast together um as someone that grew up really into wrestling and i'm, I'm just a couple years younger than, than our co uh, fellow co-hosts but um kind of also faded out from wrestling uh, as a lot of us did post-attitude era with with the launch of the pg era and wwe and then circled back once um uh just prior to aw with the, the formation of the uh, the all-in show back in 2018 um and the integration of all the great talent from around the world um there to then form uh the dynamite show in 2019 so um, i'm one of those marks that came back um on the heels of all of that um You'll probably hear a lot about this just from my perspective, and again, everybody kind of comes at wrestling in a, in a with different light in terms of what they want to see from the show. Uh, I'm someone that truly appreciates the athleticism, the production value of all the, the, the finer things about how to structure a match, layer a match out, um, and storylines. I won't say that they're completely secondary to me, but um, the kind of entertainment value uh, that I think came from the Attitude Era to a certain extent, sort of decline in the PG era. Um, you know, it, it's still there, uh, but I, I truly value the in-ring uh, technique, the different wrestling styles, and the ability to tell a story, you know, in the mat, on the mat, excuse me. Um, I have to say, just because I haven't watched uh, SmackDown in a couple of weeks, I might be a little bit behind, and um, I, I know I've seen Adam Pearce elsewhere, uh, I think even before WWE, so it might just be good to refresh people's memory about kind of his his background and, and, and the connection there. Um, I do just, just on a general note, I, I do have to say that I find, especially again, as someone who is less into the story storyline aspect, but really appreciates the credibility that a storyline could bring to the wrestling acumen and the technique 
part of it. I really like what they've generally done with Roman Reigns and his ability to the, the articulation of what he's saying in the ring with conviction. That's what you want to see from your top heel uh, performer. And, um, you know, a lot of that is definitely attributable to Heyman. And it just boggles the mind why they didn't, you know, let him run solo like this years ago. Um, because I just, I'm really impressed with his ability. You know, it's it's not always what you say, but how you say it. And it could be quality over quantity. And he doesn't have to say too much. Um, and it, but it packs a punch. So, um, again, unfortunately, I, I, I just haven't, I've, the Adam Pierce, you know, I've, I've seen him uh, on the program a couple of times. I just haven't watched in a little while. So it'd be probably best to, to get Matt's take on that. Um, but if you could also just maybe refresh uh, for our viewers' memory who he is and, and the connection with this angle. All right. So um, with what's going on right now in terms of like the WWE stuff, I just want to uh, say I do agree with Jared um, with the Royal Rumble angle thing. Uh, WWE tends to do this often where they get on a high note and they tend to then decline on the way down with doing something dumb like this. Uh, obviously, we know Adam Pierce is not going to be the champion. So call it how it is. Uh, you know, if you could place bets on wrestling, that would be the lock, <laughs> I would say, for the, for the year right now. Um, I also really don't know how Adam Pierce got involved in this, so I'm going to let Jared uh, just really quickly discuss what's going on. And it's for reasons like this that I tend to stay away from watching WWE as often as I do. Uh, because when things like this happen, it takes the air out of my interest in that type of show. And brings me right back to, you know, wanting to just stick with my independent scene stuff. So let me get Jared in here and he'll give us a little bit of background about this Adam Pierce bullshit. So basically not to bore everybody, Pierce is, <laughs> as most WWE marks know, that he is the unofficial official general manager of both Raw and SmackDown, or he's the man who delivers whoever calls the shots, whether it be Stephanie, Shane, Vince, whoever, Triple H, whatever. He made a match two weeks ago with Kevin Owens and Jay Uso after Owens begged him to fight Uso. And Roman got pissed at that because he thought he was done with Owens already and he's done so much for the company and so on and so forth. And how can he be disrespected by Pierce by the you know, this way. And long story short, Friday night, Pierce set up a gauntlet match, six contenders. Nakamura was one win away from being the number one contender at the Rumble for Roman's belt. And Heyman and Roman pulled some strings, and Pierce was now the sixth man in this gauntlet match to face Nakamura. They followed Pierce down to the ring, Uso, Roman, and Heyman, and they beat the crap out of Nakamura, and then they beat the crap. Then they hit they hit uh they hit Pierce with a Superman punch or Uso's kick, and they dragged him over and put him on top of Nakamura, and therefore that's how we're at this angle, you know, Pierce versus Roman. And back to what Adam was saying, let's give the you know the the listeners a little background on you know Pierce. He is like I said before, he is a former six-time NWA heavyweight champion. 
I mean, I don't know if that has any. Doesn't mean much to me. <laughs> I, don't, I assume it's not going to mean much to WWE viewers, but he does have some in-ring experience. If that's what people are asking. So if you guys want to jump back in now that you're a little more filled in, uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be totally off base, but because um, his wrestling pedigree that you just talked about, was he not in Ring of Honor as well? Or am I mistaking him with somebody else? I'm actually not sure about that. Well, I mean, but just given what you said, I mean, just off of that, that, that just shows you're going to just the... I would say a failure in booking of if you've got a guy who's got legitimate credibility, um, you know, to 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 throw him in like that kind of diminishes the value of what it brings to the table. Um, Matt? Yeah, so uh, Pierce was in Ring of Honor from 2005 to 2010. So um, the guy definitely, I could, you know, I could agree with that, probably has some really good in-ring uh, experience in terms of that stuff. It seems like almost to me that they wanted, uh, you know, in the storyline, they want the fans to think that Roman Reigns and, and uh, you know, wanted Pierce to win that match to hopefully get an easy win at Royal Rumble. I mean, that's kind of what an outsider perspective that I'm taking is, is that why would they, uh, you know, maybe they were like, you know, don't want to go up against Nakamura, easier win against Pierce and call it a day type thing. But, uh, you know, I've been wrong before in regards to, uh, you know, belt changing and stuff like that. I just can't see them taking it off of uh, Reigns. What I just wanted to add, and I'm curious to hear Jared's perspective on this, is if Nakamura was kind of in the running and then this, you know, this storyline comes in, how would you have seen a Nakamura Reigns, uh, you know, championship match? Does Nakamura seem like a believable opponent? Um, I know, I mean, he brings a lot, I mean, there, there's the Japanese credibility he brings to the table, but like the size differential, the, you know, the difference in styles, like, do you see, would you have seen that match working out? Um, I'm glad you asked that because I wish that you could have watched the rumble that he won when he won with me because it wasn't believable then, you know, I don't think he could, you know, first off, his credibility in New Japan, you got to remember something, he was a lot bigger. And he portrayed a, you know, it was he was still the, you know, he was still the same sort of character, but he, he was just he had more power, and he's just his, almost like Darby beating Cage is unbelievable. Nakamura beating Roman Reigns is unbelievable. It's just, and I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, he's a fine, you know, Intercontinental Champion or U.S. Champion contender, something like that, or champion. But he's just he never reached that pinnacle in WWE. When he after he even won the Rumble, they tried with him. Listen, they did try, but it's just his. I think like you guys like, you know, the more in-ring stuff like that. Whereas most WWE people, I think, are you know WWE fans rather are like me, where they like you know Mike skills and you know that's number one. You know we like the spectacle. You know where you guys like the wrestling, and I think that's why he's. He'd be great anywhere else, like he was in New Japan. I just don't think that he's he could be great here. On on the flip side of that, and just this is just playing devil's advocate. How do you see, from a booking standpoint, actually putting together and structuring an underground, under excuse me, underdog kind of David and Goliath story? Because that's been done in wrestling a number of times. And when I think about, there have been some real small guys that had that that were given, you know, the big, the, the biggest strap, you know, and like, I'm thinking this is going a little bit back for me at least, but 
uh, not too long after Eddie Guerrero passed away in, in 06, they made Rey Mysterio the world heavyweight champion. And it's just, you know, when you think about world heavyweight champion and Rey Mysterio, the two just don't jive. But in terms of, you know, the the fan enthusiasm and, you know, just like who's, you know, who's, uh, you know, who's a fan favorite, like maybe they're moving in that direction. Like, do you, do you see a platform or a legitimate way that you could have an underdog type of story where the smaller guy ends up being crowned a world heavyweight champion. Um, I'll, I'll drop in really quickly and just, and just bring it up on the, on the fact that uh, if WWE moved their storyline telling to more old school way where the uh, storylines last multiple pay-per-views and not just like, you know, the weekly ones, but uh, when, when, when WWE back in the day, they, they, they used to have, culmination matches where guys would wrestle all year long until they got to you know the big pay-per-view and that's where it would culminate and i think nowadays if you want to uh get a smaller guy on you know like and strap him up big the storyline has to or just in general an underdog the storyline has to be extended right it can't just be pierce pin this guy and now at white rumble he's going up against reams right there's been no uh, from what I understand, development of the story, right? No one's had a chance to buy into Pierce being a legitimate wrestler. No one's having a chance to buy into a lot of these wrestlers in the in, in the storylines. And I think that also comes down to WD, uh, WWE just has too much talent and they just don't know what the fuck to do with it. So at times you have to sit there and think, you know, maybe if they actually develop this guy, I could buy into uh, Pierce maybe winning the belt because they've been feuding for four or five months or something like that. But I just think there's too many uh, egos in the locker room to stroke. And because of that, you can't have extensive storylines because then people get upset. They start crying like little bitches. And then they take to Twitter, they take to social media, they cry on there. They threaten to fucking leave, whatever it may be. That's just the world we live in now. So I feel like everything needs to be fast-paced. Vince McMahon, even though he probably doesn't want to, uh, he has his five, six, seven, eight wrestlers that he probably wants to stroke their you know, egos as well as their cocks to make sure they stay at WWE. It is what it is, right? So I'm just trying to call it as it is. I don't think WWE for a long time has had enough uh, writers to sit there and be able to develop storylines the way they do. That's why they have guys like Heyman and a few other guys who just put guys over enough so that people will lock into uh, the viewership. Yeah. yeah, I just want to touch on one thing. Like, like you said, like you said when you first started, uh, uh, you know this, you know this rebuttal. Uh, how these story, you know, a lot of storylines were year long you know, you know, feuds and culminated, you know, at the end of the year, these, the outcome was also determined at the beginning of the feud and rarely ever changed along the way. You know, that was Pat Patterson's job. Uh, and then Vince McMahon, you know, once he got a hold of, you know, NXT and you, you could see where his fingers are and how things change a million times. How many times have we heard, you know, the wrestlers walking down to the ring and, you know, the outcome changed when they got to the ring or, you know, stuff, crazy stuff like that. But the one way out of this angle, I would say, Matt and, and Adam, of course, is that they use the money in the bank angle here. 
you know, somehow Miz and Morris and a company pierce back to the ring. Because I don't know if you guys know, he ca- Miz cashed in the Money in the Bank once, and it, it, it didn't work out. But technically, Morrison was the one who handed the briefcase to the ref and said, we're cashing in. So Pierce <laughs> had to bring the briefcase back to Morrison and, and Miz, of course. So maybe that's how they tie it in here. They accompany him out, and Owens gets involved somehow, and... You know, listen, they're not, he's not going to be champion. They, they've made The Miz a jobber at this point. It's a joke. They've ruined him. They, 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 use, they use, you know, you know, Miz TV and Morrison to, on every role to fill time. It's just, it's a joke. They made a mockery, an absolute mockery of the money in the bank this year. You know, it all started when they were running up the, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the towers in, in Connecticut, you know, in the headquarters. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? This is one of the greatest ideas that you ever had and they just ruined it with this and another thing that i just wanted to touch on real quick in wwe while we were talking about the pierce roman angle is that i don't know if you guys saw raw another 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 joke okay (laughs) mcintyre's opponent at the royal rumble so your two your two heavyweight titles or which wwe doesn't call heavyweight titles for a reason for a reason uh are the biggest jokes. You're bringing back Goldberg again. Again. You're bringing him back again. I mean, I don't I don't know who likes him at this point. How many how many wrestlers, how many wrestlers has he almost killed or paralyzed? <laughs> okay? He's not capable of having more than a 5-minute match and that's and I'm being modest there, okay? He I'm being very generous. He is horrible. Strowman beat him clean in 90 seconds at Mania. I thought we got rid of him for good, and now, you know something. Now it's making people think: is he is he going to beat McIntyre, who's been a great champion through the pandemic, nonetheless? Okay, he hasn't missed a beat. I was surprised he even lost to Orton, who was great, also. Um, but the fact that Goldberg could beat McIntyre now—it's just—it's just insane. And they're gonna—they're somehow gonna do this, in my opinion, where somehow he wins the title, and then the Fiend beats him without beating Orton and McIntyre. It's just, it's going to come full circle like that. And, and I don't get it. I just don't <laughs> get it with Goldberg, and I can't stand him. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And, you know, carry on, guys. Well, I'm, I'm just going to throw in one thing, because you mentioned McIntyre. It's, it's a shame if that storyline plays out the way you, you said before <laughs> McIntyre, just because I've always been high on him. You know, for folks who remember from the earlier days in WWE, he was Mr. McMahon's quote-unquote the chosen one. You know, he was the one that was going to take the company forward. And, of course, you know, a number of things happened over the course of, of his first stint in, in uh, WWE. Uh, of course, then wrestled other promotions. He was he was in Impact uh, as uh, Drew Galloway. And then, of course, returned um, as a heel, Drew McIntyre, much bigger, you know, worked out. I'm a huge uh, DDP mark for all of the, the DDP yoga that he's done to help rehab wrestlers and, 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 and athletes and help revive their careers. Uh, McIntyre is a huge uh, supporter. Of, there's a couple of videos you can actually find on, on uh, DDP's YouTube channel of the workouts they did together. And it just shows you the dedication. I mean, McIntyre drove out 10 hours from where he uh, was to uh, to come and, and work out at the DDP Performance Center. And he's, I mean, it just shows you the work that he's put in, uh, a genuinely, you know, likable, nice guy, and uh, who, I mean, just has a great look about him now in this second WWE run. And so um, that's just the wrong way to book him. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, fuck WWE for doing this. Uh, they're absolutely, uh, you know, abysmal. It's an abysmal corporation that I don't understand how even uh, people watch it. Um, <laughs> no offense, but it's just <laughs> it's just one of those things where, like, as soon as Goldberg walked out to the ring, I wanted to just throw up because I was like, you know, you're again taking away. Uh, 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 ring time from talent that could easily b- have better match easily, right? So you're sitting there, you're taking things away from guys like Riddle, Keith Lee, you know, those up and comers that clearly have better in ring ability and could carry a storyline better than Goldberg. I, I don't know what the infatuation is. And just like Jared said, he almost killed the undertaker in Saudi Arabia, uh, which would which was ridiculous. He he bashed his own skull into the ring post when he tried to spear uh, Undertaker into uh, you know in the corner. His whole face was gushing blood. He could barely had lifted uh, Undertaker up to do the jackhammer because he was losing so much blood. Almost broke his neck. Um, and still at that point, you know, I'm surprised Undertaker didn't put a hit out on him because it was that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it was, and then to have this guy come back time after time again for the same old thing. The guy, the, the guy doesn't job at all. You know, he doesn't come out on Raw and wrestle or do any storylines. Where's the storyline for this? Because it was Legends Night. Like, you know, what are we gonna do? Uh, resurrect uh, Paul Bear from the dead and have him come out soon too, and and have him wrestle somebody, or you know, like what, like what's like where do we end this? You know, uh, in terms of just letting these guys go off to pasture. And let these new guys come up and get some ring time. And that's just where I'm at in regards to this whole situation. So, um, you know, that's my opinion on it. And and it probably won't change for the time being. Uh, so with that being said, I, I think, uh, you know, with what's going on WWE, I'll let Jared just close it out so we can move over to our AEW segment, uh, you know, and go over there. And uh, Jared, take it away to close it out. I just wanted to uh, add onto Matt's point that he almost that he did, you know, ruin Bret Hart's career. He was never the same after the match he had with Goldberg in WCW. Um, I'm not going to get into it right now, you know, going to WCW, but that was a bad move anyway. But I just want to, uh, you know, thank everybody for listening and you know you guys for you know adding your points into you know you know my WWE segment. Um, and yeah, I uh, I have to you know listen. I love WWE. I always will love WWE. To me, it's the greatest spectacle on earth. And like Matt said, they have a ton of talent, and they could blow any other company out of the water with all the talent they have. I just wish that you know when they have a great a great you know angle going like they have with Roman, which is the best heel in wrestling, or they have something great with Bray, which no other company can even come close to an angle like that. They just find a way. To, I don't want to say ruin it, but interrupt the greatness and, you know, do stupid things along the way. Like, it's almost like you get a new car and you drive from, you know, you drive a thousand miles and you have to change the tires three times along the way. It's like, it's ridiculous. And I don't know. I just wish they would go along and just have a great match at their great angle. Great matches, great angle. And it should be no problem finding contenders for these guys with all the talent they have. I mean, you know, just think about you have Seth Rollins coming back now. Team, you know, pairing him against, you know, his ex-partner in the Shield, you know, Roman. It's just, I mean, someone like 
me who's thinking of this, who never wrote a storyline in his life. It's just they need to do things better. But the thing is, you'll always have thousands, millions of people like me who don't care and they'll watch on a weekly basis, which I do. So <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, the big guy always wins. Oh, thanks, John. Exactly yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. I, I, uh, I look forward. I look forward to listening to you guys on your uh, segments and uh, adding what I can. Yeah. Thank you, man. So uh, that, that that was definitely very informative, and and you know, there's a lot of opinions out there, stuff like that. Uh, there are other wrestling federations out there, though, that we have to cover because that's just what the world has given us during this pandemic, right? A lot of wrestling to watch. So. Let us get into AEW. Um, Adam is our lead AEW resident here on the podcast. Uh, along with myself, I, I watch AEW weekly with Adam uh, on Dynamite Live together. We like to FaceTime and do it. We like to, you know, we join in uh, Jared whenever he can make it. And uh, so let's hear about what's going on in the AEW world. Adam, take it away, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Um, I'm actually going to focus on one specific um uh, so I guess you could almost, you wouldn't even call this necessarily a storyline, but something that uh, uh, Dynam- AW has run with um, on both their, their Dynamite and Dark shows and kind of share a personal perspective of why I think this is a good thing. Um, some, some may disagree, but I, I think with, with, with kind of the tragedy recently of the, the, the passing of Brody Lee, uh, AK, well, John Huber, AK Brody Lee, universally a well uh, liked loved um wrestler and just all around uh, human being um in the industry i mean it's rare that you get especially in this competitive landscape of wrestling where you have such a diversity of styles and promotions uh to get everybody together in tribute and the the, uh, the tribute that uh, AEW did on um, their last show of of the 2020 year um which was supposed to be the first night of new year smash but uh Brody lee's passing kind of changed the, the schedule around so they did an awesome tribute probably one of the best that I've seen since uh, Eddie Guerrero's tribute back in 2005. Uh, really, really well done. Um, and it culminated at the end of the show with Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes coming out um, and uh, bringing in uh, Brody Lee's son, uh, who is, uh, you know, since Brody Lee was the uh, uh, leader of the Dark Order, um, his son has now been dubbed negative one within the dark order. That's, that's his moniker. And, uh, you know, so they brought him out, uh, and they laid the, uh, TNT championship down in the ring along with, uh, Lee's boots. And it was just, just, just a very emotional moment. Um, but what I like that they've done from that is continue to use, uh, Brody's son in some capacity, even if it's just for like one or two shows. And so what they, what they did is, they had him come out with the Dark Order and cut a promo at the end of uh, AW Dark, which is uh, you know the, the dark matches they have before Dynamite um, that air every Tuesday on their YouTube channel. They had him come out and cut this little promo, and here's this eight-year-old kid, right? And you're thinking like you know, you know, it's some, maybe some people. I know that in general the use of of, of uh, you know maybe family or, or kids in wrestling, it's like oh taking away maybe from another segment that could have but in this particular case i mean it was so i think it's so special to have him integrated you know he's they had him on the new year the new year eve show he's you know he's hitting everybody with the kendo stick he's you know he's having a good time and that's what you want to see because wrestling truly is a family and it's a it's a fraternity of of people who who share this common brotherhood and bond um so they had him cut that promo on aw dark uh they had him also come out 
uh, and do like a real small mini segment with uh, with Marco Stunt. And so I, you know, <laughs> we we're talking before about the, the mismatch in sizes with with real wrestling. Uh, you know, I think it would actually have some great entertainment value having you know you've got Marco Stunt and a guy that's actually his size <laughs> cutting a, a heel promo on him. So I thought that was funny. Um, and again, just it's certainly not the be all end all of the show. I mean, th- this past week AEW had. Uh, you know, the culmination of the show was um, getting the band back together and with the Good Brothers coming on to close out the, uh, the, the closing segment of the Omega um, uh, Ray Phoenix match, which um, I thought was actually a, a great match in terms of displaying the athleticism of, of both performers. Um, you know, it was something that had been brewing for a long time because we, we uh, waited to, to see Ray Phoenix uh, and, and Omega, but of course Phoenix got injured and then was out of the, uh, the championship tournament for the number one contendership uh, late last year, uh, which is why his brother um, stepped in. Um, and, uh, but, you know, they had the match and then it closed with, with the Good Brothers coming in and the Young Bucks. Um, adding to the mix and so yep the band is back together um i think maybe matt especially from his uh, indie perspective and, and the appreciation of, of new japan and the bullet club uh can talk more about that uh, but again just on a personal note the reason i, I brought up the Brody lee uh, jr uh segments that they've done is as someone who uh lost my father in a pretty tragic way uh you know, I, I, my, my dad here in, locally in the, in the New York City area was a pretty prominent, well-known chef and restaurateur. And uh, a couple of years ago, um, actually happening to be with him in, that mo- in the moment that he suddenly collapsed and had a heart attack and, and later passed in the hospital. And so learning about Brody Lee's uh, lung battle, you know, his, his, the complications that he had in his lungs, um, and not even getting into the whole business side of wrestling of, you know, did AEW know as a promotion, did they not know, you know, what did they know when, um, just more on just that human level of, here's this eight-year-old kid, and he's lost his father, universally appreciated in the industry, and the fact that they did something for him, um, that's something that he's going to treasure and remember for the rest of his life, so a uh, big shout out to AEW for doing that. Yeah. Uh, listen, Adam, thank you so much for, uh, you know, sharing that and, and, you know, getting deep on the podcast here for uh, our uh, listeners as well, because that's what wrestling really is about, right? Uh, you can take your personal life and tie it into the storylines or to what's going on in wrestling as it, that makes it that much more real and uh, closer to you when, when, you know, when watching it. So I want to just say thank you for, uh, you know, sharing that. Um, I too have to agree, you know, watching AEW Weekly, um, uh, it has been a somber uh, few weeks, right? You know, seeing the wrestlers come into the ring as they're wrestling, you know, guys like Silver crying and Rowan coming out, you know, uh, holding the sign, see you soon. And, you know, a lot of breaking of, of uh, kayfabe going on, which was a big, 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 big no-no back in the day, right? Especially, uh, you know, we could tie in Owen Owen Hart situation. What happened after that? They they the show went on. Owen Hart fell from the rafters, uh, died pretty much in the ring right there. Blood blood still on the ring, and two guys had to go in right after and wrestle. Right. So, um, I would like to say if that happened on on this you know present day right now, that wouldn't happen. Right. Uh, I just feel like there would be too much backlash. There wasn't social media back in the day. Right. Things like that. So. Um, the pressure of keeping the show on, uh, especially with a stadium full of, uh, you know, whatever it was, eighteen to 20,000 people uh, back in the day, you know, compared to now, 
you can see a big difference, I think, of, of how these situations are are handled, right? Um, so, you know, with that being said, too, AEW, to me, um, just in, in general, uh, I hope that they uh, start going down a, a little bit better of a path in terms of, you know, their storylines and, and, and stuff like that out there. I know that when they first started off, it was supposed to be about the sport, the wrestling, the records, and stuff like that. Um, I just want to bring up one thing that I think everybody who watches AEW, uh, what the fuck is going on with Sting, right? So, uh, I just want to say, you know, this guy comes out weekly, doesn't talk in the ring at all, you know, for fans like Jared and me, especially Sean, Sean and Bill, who I'm sure, uh, grew up watching him too. Um, yeah, you know, what's going on? You know, like they signed this guy, he's obviously like a Darby Allen-ish, you know, something's going on there with their face paint, like, you know, what, <laughs> you know, obviously they're, you know, they're making that angle uh, together, but AEW to me, it's uh, hopefully um, going to regain some of its traction that it had when it first started, you know, with guys like, uh, you know, I love what they did with Taz, for instance, uh, when they, when, when he first started in AEW, uh, he was very much trying to be professional commentator, and that was not working. And they finally let the reins off of him, and he's back to being that ECW, uh, cursing out wrestlers in the ring. He's almost like to me AEW's Paul Heyman right now. Uh, he's not that guy, but he's the type of dude who's going to put guys over, like Brian Cage and uh, Ricky Starks. Uh, you know, so he's he's that type of guy that I love when he's on the mic and he's calling Sting a son of a bitch and. And calling Darby Allen a bitch or whatever it may be. It's just uh, those are the things that I like to, you know, see. I hope they keep that storyline going and things like that. But just in general, I hope AEW just, uh, you know, gets back on track in regards to keeping their promise with that. It's about the wrestling and not about the stupid gimmicks because it was getting a little carried away, uh, I think. So that's just my opinion right there. I think Jared's going to chime in right now. I just, I'm glad you brought Sting up because... That, this, that ties into exactly what we spoke about before and exactly what you spoke about before, how WWE brings Goldberg back and WWE you know, is doing this with Adam Pearce. This is what AEW is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be different. You know, they, you know, I don't need to see, I don't need to see Sting. All right. It's just, it's just, he's taking time away from up and coming guys, Darby, Starks, Kane. It's just, I'm not going to name any more guys. We, we know, but it's just, they're doing the same exact thing. And it's just very hypocritical to me. Uh, another thing also is that I, this this whole bullet club thing, you know, what we read for, what, what he talked, what Adam talked about before. I mean, how many different bullet clubs are there going to be now? Okay. It's, what is, how does Tamatanga feel about this? You know, all the guys in New Japan who are there. Um, how does you know Finn Balor? You know they, they all these guys did this together at WWE with AJ and Finn, and it's just I don't know. It's just it's just it's very tough, man. And it's I understand it's I think Impact benefits the most from any of this, and whatever works works. But uh, just wanted to bring that up, and you know, let you guys you know take the reins again. Yeah, I think in a moment we can come back to the, the, the last point that you made there, Jared, about uh, the kind of cross-promotional work that's happening between AEW and Impact. And, and from my from my perspective, I see it as it's kind of like AEW in a sense with, with Tony Khan and, and Tony Schiavone 
cutting uh, heel promos on uh, Impact uh, programming, um, you know, it's almost like they're coming from the vantage point of trying to help the less fortunate as they see it. Um, so, but and 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 maybe if that is the case in terms of the dynamic, that this will help Impact as the less fortunate promotion to elevate some talent that could use some good visibility. Um, so maybe there will be some uh, positives that come out of that. I do want to return to what you guys were just talking about with Sting, and and take it back to that more holistic like WWE perspective. Uh, certainly, their uh, runs are not completely comparable, but in WWE versus WCW sort of lore, uh, Undertaker and Sting have always been uh, compared, and you know the, the, the real marks out there, the true fans have always had always hoped for years for that dream match, which which obviously never happened. The reason I bring that up, so I think the Sting angle and having him, you know, when he made his first appearance, I think about a month ago, and didn't talk, you know. That has a certain mystique and quality about it to do it once. When you do it repeatedly, it loses its cachet. But I do have to say on the flip side of that, what's made Undertaker so successful, and I've heard a number of wrestlers talk about this in terms of the character that he developed, is that, in fact, I heard an interview once with Chavo Guerrero where he's talked about how with, with Undertaker, there are no lost movements. Every single movement to the ring and everything he does in the ring, even without talking, matters and so i kind of juxtapose that with what we're seeing here with sting obviously a different time and a much smaller uh platform than wwe you know but given that AEW is the newcomer on the scene just here be curious to hear your perspective on that like do you think that there is a place for it because undertaker has done it so well with his mystique of just coming in the ring without talking i mean uh... Listen, you're talking, so obviously in our introductions, everyone now knows that I'm a huge WWE fan. Um, as you, Matt, and I all grew up on the East Coast, we, I, I, I could probably speak for a lot of people, we were more exposed to WWE. If you wanted to go to an event, it was WWE, as WCW never came this way. So, and WWE, WWE was, you know, around, you know, more popular before WCW. Um I just, I don't know. I think, I think WWE just can't be beat. That, that's just my my opinion. But go ahead, Matt. Um. Yeah. So I I think it it it, it there there is a place for it, Adam. But it stems from that Undertaker has never left WWE, right? He's just never. Even though he's had his hiatuses where he doesn't wrestle throughout the year and only comes back for WrestleMania or stuff like that. Sting is like the journeyman version of Undertaker in my mind, right? He started off in NWA, did the WCW thing, eventually came to WWE, still never had his match with Undertaker, which was like the biggest thing at that time. It was like he's at WrestleMania, this thing, he's still able to move around in the ring. How come we can't get this booking, right? Uh, then, you know, he doesn't wrestle in WWE anymore. He's, he's on a hiatus again. Um, I think a, well, I watched, uh, I listened to Sting's podcast on the AEW, uh, podcast with Shivani and the, and Edwards or whatever her name is. Um, yep, AEW unrestricted. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, and, and Tony Khan, uh, reached out to Sting a while back to get a signed baseball bat to give to the team. And through that conversation, you know, obviously he said we would love to have you in AEW. Sting, unfortunately, said, you know, I'm still signed with WWE. I think this was back in, like, 2019, even though they probably weren't even using him. Uh, they 
uh, eventually Sting reached back out to Tony Khan. It wasn't even Tony Khan reaching out to Sting. It was Sting actually reached out to Tony Khan and said, listen, like, if you want to, you know, have me, you know, work or whatever. And obviously Tony Khan being the, the mark he is accepted, right? So just a little background about how Sting got to AEW. Um, still, you know, obviously, I guess as a promoter and, a, and if you're the owner of a federation, you don't turn down uh, the possible viewership that that's going to bring to your federation, right? Obviously, when people hear Sting's going to come, some people are going to tune in just to see what it's about in general. Doesn't mean that they're going to stick around for it. Doesn't mean that they're going to agree that it was good. Obviously, there's, you know, at least two out of three of us here um, do not really like the storyline going on. I would probably say three out of three of us don't. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, let it play out. It'll it'll, it'll lose its flavor sooner or later. And then uh, hopefully, you know, AEW will regain their attraction. Real quick on that, uh, Matt, because we were actually talking in talking about Sting, we're also talking about the dynamic of what's going on between Team Taz and you know now Sting coming to Darby Allen's defense, um, and 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 the build up there to the Darby Allen Brian Cage match. I think that kind of harkens back to what we were talking about in the WWE uh, portion of the show with uh, the, uh, the Shinsuke Nakamura, you know Roman Reigns, and, and talking about size differential uh, this past week on Dynamite. You know, one week prior to that uh, championship match for the TNA, uh, sorry, excuse me, TNT uh, belt, you've got Darby and Brian Cage weighing in, and you've got about a, a hundred pound weight differential. Which, of course, Taz, as you know, as the heel, uh, used used that in a real comedic way, which I thought was was awesome. You know, seeing him kind of cut that promo. But again, it's like, I mean, how, does this seem believable? And you know, Darby is so over with the fans. I I actually don't see him losing to Cage. Um, or even if he does, I see him again winning the title at some point down the road again. So, if he beats Cage, what does that mean for Cage? You know, I mean, it just—it's just—it's a—it's a tough spot on on both ends. Um, I think I touched on that before. How it's so unbelievable, you know, when I when we were talking about Nakamura, like you said. Um, but just back to the Undertaker, real quick, can Sting? I personally don't think it's even close. Their careers, like they're—I don't think they're comparable. Um. I see the comparison. I see how the character could portray one another a little, whatever. Um, but to me, I think The Undertaker is way bigger, way more accomplished. And I just think WWE is, it has more of a presence in the long term and more, you know, they were, Sting, Sting wrestled for WCW, for it, TNA, Impact, whatever you want to call it. And then he he went away for a while then he would you know wwe he was he was a nobody in wwe i think he fought triple h and i just wwe fans who like me like you like matt you know where we started are just we didn't have a ton of exposure to sting and i think a lot of people are like that i mean that's just my opinion on that um to you know WWE just didn't use them the right way, whereas they used other WCW guys, you know, better, like Booker T is, you know, he was used well in WWE, you know, he was used a lot in WWE, even Goldberg, who had, is known for WCW, he's been used as a legend and an older guy, I'm not, we're not talking about his, what he, how bad he is or whatever it is, but these guys are known for time in both now, Sting, not really, like, Sting is just, he's always been a WCW, AEW, uh, TNA guy, and whatever the reasoning may be, I just think that uh, it's not even close, honestly. And the fact that The Undertaker reinvented his character with the American badass 
And, you know, listen, I know Sting was reinvented in the NWO, but the only thing you're going to need a group to reinvent themselves. And, and I'll let you guys, you know, comment a little on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I do remember watching Sting when I was a little kid when he still had that, like, rainbow face paint on and, and stuff like that. And then and then, and then then coming out, uh, you know, as, like, that, like, dark Sting. So, I mean, I guess he's had a few, a few chances to reinvent himself. But, um, you know, with that being said, I'm, I'm going to let Adam just close up on the AEW segment because we still need to just cover uh, a couple more things with uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor before we close out our first episode. So, Adam, I'll let you close up AEW segment if there's anything you want to bring up regarding uh, their stuff going on with Impact or anything like that. I'll let you uh, do what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, just, I, again, I just, a couple quick points on, on this week's show that, uh, real, you know, real briefly, uh, the, I, I do think that that, that closing match between um, Omega and Ray Phoenix was done very well. I think Ray Phoenix is a great talent. Uh, I, I've always, I love his finisher. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he really... We knew that Omega was going to win the match, but, you know, and, and that's the thing that I love about wrestling, too, is you know the outcome, but how are you going to layer it? How are you going to structure it? How are you going to make it believable? I think they really did, and, um, you know, there's very strong style between both wrestlers, a lot of a lot of, um, a lot lot of of kicks, a lot of slams, you know, with Omega, you had a lot of those V-triggers, but Ray Phoenix got his stuff in, too, and a couple of those Tope Suicidas, you know, and, and he came in at just lightning speed to, to hit Omega with one of those, and, and you know, on the mark. I think regardless of if people don't like the style or in particular with Omega, kind of his flamboyant way of displaying in the ring and particularly now as a heel with Don Callis at his side, uh, just the precision of the movement between him and Phoenix, again, as someone that appreciates the technicality of the sport, I think they hit everything on the money in the match. Um, and obviously we've got a storyline now with the good brothers coming in and the bullet club. So looking ahead to next week, there are, you know, Still, it's New Year's Smash 2, um, and what I'm really going to be looking forward to is seeing, despite the criticism we brought up before, how they actually layer out and, and, and come to a conclusion with this Darby allen Brian Cage feud. Um, again, I, I, can't, I can't say a bad word about the, the Brody Lee Jr. thing. That's always going to be in my heart, and uh, I really appreciate the fact that they did that. He's eight years old now, so who knows? Maybe... Uh, you know, 10 years down the road. Right now, Taz's son is part of Team Taz under the name Hook, and I believe that he's training with Cody Rhodes, uh, has, uh, you know, a very technical wrestling uh, acumen and background to work with from his father and from everyone around him. So I, and, and it looks very believable in the times that he's come out with, with Team Taz just in terms of the look. So uh, really excited to see the future with him. Um, with that, I'm going to turn back to Matt. Um, to give us his perspective on, I think, what he's been most excited to talk about on this show, which is New Japan. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, some of our, our, our viewers may not be uh, as marked out in, in uh, Ring of Honor and, and uh, New Japan as I am, but I hopefully, uh, if I have any goal during this podcast, is to get some of you listeners out there to start watching some uh, actual wrestling. So, uh the things that I would like to talk about first, obviously, I'm going to try to be as quick as possible because I think we are running out of a little bit of time. Uh, you know, with the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of questioning about what's going on with the independent wrestling scene. How are they even going to be paying wrestlers? How are they keeping their promotions together? And Ring of Honor was one of those promotions that I was getting a little nervous about because of the AEW fallout, taking away the Young Bucks from them, taking... Uh, you know, talent, you know, talent having another option to go to 
one, I was already worried that AEW was going to uh, hamper their business, which it did because uh, they weren't able to book places like Hammerstein and stuff like that. They just didn't have the funds to do it. Um, pandemic happened, so I get even more nervous, right? That Ring of Honor is, you know, not even on TV at all. Um, luckily, I wanted to say Ring of Honor did come back and they brought back their pure championship belt and held an awesome pure championship tournament. Um, if you don't know what the pure championship is about, let me just go over with you really quick what the, what the rules are. Um, if you are a Ring of Honor fan, they start every match with the Code of Honor handshake. So that mat, that has to happen. Um, they are only allowed three rope breaks during the match, meaning that after you exhaust your three rope breaks, even if you're in a submission and you grab the rope, it doesn't count. So you could tap out even if, uh, or, or get pinned if your leg is on the rope, if you exhaust those three rope breaks. Um, only open hand slaps are allowed to the face. Any closed, closed fist punches anywhere else on the body, just not the face. Um, any outside interference in your match, you automatically get fired from the company. Uh, and um, once the title is crowned, um, it can be lost via disqualification or countout, unlike most titles in wrestling federations where, uh, you know, if there's a DQ or a countout, the title stays with the champion, right? Um, so that itself was an amazing tournament to watch. Uh, I highly suggest if you have time, Fight TV, the app, F-I-T-E, holds all of Ring of Honor's uh, television shows. You can watch it for free, so there's no excuse out there for you poor bastards. Um, you can easily check it out. Right now, uh, Jonathan Gresham is the pure championship uh, champion. I've had the pleasure to see him live a bunch of times uh, wrestling at Hammerstein and stuff like that. Definitely an amazing wrestler to uh, check out. Uh, with that being said, Ring of Honor is uh, back. It's definitely doing very good. Um, Dalton Castle, free agent now from Ring of Honor, one of the one of their awesome champions that they've had recently. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with his contract. Uh, Marty Skrull, if we all know who he is, he was a big time part of you know the elite with Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, Hangman Page. I thought that they were inseparable at a point. Uh, it so happened that once AEW signed their signed their deals, R Marty Skrull got a really lucrative deal with Ring of Honor, where he was able to take control of creative and also wrestle in the ring. Then the speaking out movement came and, uh, you know, he was caught up in some sort of scandal where he uh, did something not okay to, I guess, a woman. Uh, thus, Ring of Honor blocking him out, keeping him on the roster, then taking him off the roster. They just mutually parted ways uh, as of a few days ago. Um, very highly speculations of him going to WWE as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I was hoping that he would go to AEW. I'm wondering if they're not even close friends anymore, uh, Omega and all these guys. I wonder if there's any fallout in between that uh, whole situation. So I highly suggest to my fans, or well, not my fans, <laughs> our fans or our listeners, I wish hopefully one day we'll have fans, right? Um, that they will go and check out Ring of Honor Wrestling. It is absolutely amazing. I highly suggest you watch my man Flip Gordon out there. He is, I think, the one of the best up-and-coming wrestlers out there, probably on like year three or four of his wrestling career. Um, amazing, amazing wrestler. I highly suggest you catch him. Uh, now to get into New Japan really quickly. Uh, they just had their Wrestle Kingdom show, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15. Obviously, it's their 
culmination of the year pretty much, even though it happens in the beginning of the year. Um, it is to me the greatest single night, two nights now of wrestling uh, throughout the year. Some of you obviously will have no idea what I'm talking about, but uh, to tie in the things like Bullet Club and stuff like that, all this type of stuff, Bullet Club started in New Japan, right? Quick quick history, Finn Balor, Prince, Prince Devitt, he started the Bullet Club. Um, wrestlers like AJ Styles have been leaders of the Bullet Club. Then you're talking about Kenny Omega, you had um, Adam Cole from Ring of Honor in the Bullet Club leading it. Uh, so there's a, a, a great history of Bullet Club out there, but in terms of the reactions now, right, in terms of the Good Brothers coming back with Kenny Omega, I do have to say that uh, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, the Tongans, right, they do not respect the fact that they are um, reuniting, right? They, he comes out, he's very, if, if you want to follow any wrestlers out there on, on Twitter, follow Tamatanga. He is an absolute animal. Uh, does not hold back anything on Twitter. Very uncensored guy. Very entertaining to read. Uh, but he is very much against it, saying that there's not even one Tongan in the Bullet Club, which means it's just a bunch of like pansies getting together and thinking that they're something that they're not. Wishing that they were back in the Bullet Club, uh, things like that. Whether that's part of a storyline or or just actual beef, um, who knows? Uh, I do think with John Moxley, who those of you out there who maybe do not know, your boy Moxley is also the U.S. champion at in New Japan right now, right? Uh, hopefully that gets some of the listeners uh, over there to watch because there is a American show called New Japan Strong and JPW Strong. Um, where it seems like he cut a promo from during Wrestle Kingdom, standing in the middle of the ring holding his U.S. title belt, pretty much challenging anybody who wants to come at him for it, which I think is going to be Kenta. He's uh, one of the uh, up-and-coming wrestlers in uh, New Japan. Well, he's been there for quite a while, but he's the number one contender, which seems to be for the U.S. title. So it will be interesting to see you know, if they could tie in this Bullet Club angle with Impact and AEW, I think it's just what the wrestling industry needs in order to even compete with WWE, even though the numbers of viewership shows that, you know, these these promotions are doing fairly well on their own. Um, having that working relationship with New Japan uh, will, I think, just take it, the, like, over the top. Um, you have guys like Will Ospreay, who I think is the best wrestler in wrestling right now. Uh, without a doubt, you have to check out his match with Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. If you don't know who Okada is, he's one of also the best wrestlers in the industry right now. His match versus Omega in 2018 at Dominion was Dave Meltzer rated it like a eight star, seven star, something like that. It was like an hour and 45 minute match. It was like the whoever could, uh, it was best two out of three falls. So each time they had to pin each other whatever it was it took like 45 minutes to get to that point and it was just a brutal match um amazing so i just have to say you know new japan you got to check it out man i want to say jared and i went to a new japan show uh a few years back at madison square garden it was the first ever non wwe event at madison square garden since like the 1960s right um so history in the making right there I just want to say they showcased uh, Ibushi versus Naito at the show in, at Madison Square Garden, which was the headlining match at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and these two guys, and if you want to go back, you could probably find Brian Alvarez 
uh, talking about this stuff. These guys absolutely destroy each other in the ring. I do not know how Ibushi still has a neck. Um, the match that we saw at MSG, Naito hit him with a German suplex on the side apron, which his neck bounced off of, and it was absolutely brutal. Um, this Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Naito did a German suplex to Ibushi again onto the uh, entrance ramp where his head just landed straight onto the stage. It was so brutal. Um, and I highly suggest that if you want to see what strong style is really about, check out any matches with Naito and Ibushi. And just one more thing I want to say, um, Hiromo Takahashi, Hiromu Takahashi, um, Tanahashi, I'm sorry, getting these names mixed up. Um, Hiromo Tanahashi, he is amazing. He's an amazing wrestler. He's the junior heavyweight champion in New Japan. Um, recently came back from a broken neck injury uh, in which Dragon Lee, who was the TV champion at Ring of Honor, um, absolutely brutally destroyed him in a match of, a, a few years back. So I just want to say it's great to see Hiromo back in the ring. Um, I was actually watching the match for him and El Fantasmo, an amazing wrestler too, who I would say watch out for getting scooped up by AEW or NXT uh, probably pretty soon. Uh, amazing match. I was watching it with my wife. She was just, you know, hanging out, and he Romo hit a missile drop kick from the, uh, from the ring to the outside, and it blasted El Fantasma through the uh, gates, and it was br absolutely brutal to the point where my wife absolutely does not um, respect wrestling. She knows that it's fake and things like that, and she even questioned uh, if it was real. So. Just want to say out there, there are great options of wrestling out there to watch. New Japan World is only like $9 a month if you could afford it. If not, go on YouTube, check out the matches. Ring of Honor is free on Fight TV. Um, I know Adam and, and, and Jared don't have much to say about Ring of Honor and New Japan right now. I'm trying to get them more involved in, in uh, watching this stuff too. But with all the wrestling that we do have out there to watch, um, it is a good time, I think, to be a wrestling fan because it gives us an opportunity to... Uh, seek out other options, seeing how other styles of wrestling uh, take place. Um, and like I said, I, didn't, I wasn't into New Japan until Chris Jericho was going over there to fight Omega back in Wrestle Kingdom like 13, and or uh, maybe even 12. And it was just, uh, I was like, you know what, let me check this out. This is so big. And it, uh, it just gripped me right from there. And they have American commentary too, so you don't need to listen to the uh, Japanese versions if you don't understand it. <laughs> Um, so honestly, with that being said, I think I'm going to let Adam come in really quickly. I think he has something to say. Well, I was just going to say, you know, as someone who appreciates these styles and the, the seriousness that it brings in terms of the credibility of, of wrestle, professional wrestling, you've definitely uh, convinced me and probably convinced a lot of people just in terms of your, your words here, but in general have convinced me that the, these are some promotions that I, I definitely need to look into more. Um, and what's interesting about what you just brought up in terms of some of these, some of this talent coming to more mainstream uh, platforms here in the states, is as we've seen in some cases with with some of these guys, the content gets a little bit diluted, and you know, with the 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 focus more on the entertainment value here in in, in the U.S. versus you know just the, the pure wrestling. It's interesting to just think about uh, like how you how how that's going to happen going forward with, with if there is more talent that comes to an AEW or WWE. Um, and uh, the, the other point I was going to make going back to Ring of Honor is when you talk about the pure championship, just the, the stipulations and, and the rules about what you can and can't do, I think that that adds another layer too and uh, more structure and more, again, credibility of making this like a sport 
and, and less the focus around the entertainment value. So I would find that interesting if other promotions picked it up. Um, something that I, I've been thinking since the pandemic began and since we started watching Dynamite together on a weekly basis is particularly with no fans or now AEW has some fans, but other promotions like Impact have, have virtually no fans. I think it would bring so much credibility if you actually focused more on the wrestling and, and the types of matches you're talking about, which are layered out, which take longer. I do recall a couple instances in the past from my WWE viewing days where even even before a pay-per-view, on just a main show, a Raw or a SmackDown, they did things like a two out of three falls or an Iron Man match. Um, I can remember, for instance, when WWE made the jump back to USA from Spike TV in 2005. The opening match and uh, on their three-hour homecoming um, was Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, uh, two out of three. And that had been kind of the culmination of uh, that was the third of their uh, out of their three awesome matches from uh, WrestleMania, then Vengeance, and then having that match. I think you can still do that today. I think it would sell, and it would catch a lot of people's attention, even some of the folks that are interested in more of the entertainment value, because, I mean, just what, what you talked about. Now, on, on the flip side of that, there's also the risks of wrestlers' lives, and some of the crazy things that you talk about that they do in the ring, I mean, worry about the, their health, but just purely from that fan's more sort of perspective i think that there would be a lot more people that you could engage that have faded away from wrestling if you brought some of that into mainstream promotions like an AEW or wwe i will say this about that quickly adam um i don't think younger fans meaning you know kids now teenagers i think they have no interest in a 60 man 60 minute iron man match i think it's they don't have the attention span to watch something like that or something like two out of three falls. Uh, it may bring the old fan back, maybe. But, uh, I don't know, AEW matches, Ring of Honor matches, New Japan matches, uh, they're longer as it is. And I'm a believer, because I'm a WWE fan, those type of matches should be saved for pay-per-views. Because that's what makes a pay-per-view special, better matches, and the fact that AEW is giving me a 25-minute match on a Wednesday night, I just don't need that. And I need matches and storylines to get me to the pay-per-view. To Listen, I know there's the WWE Network, but they need to, you know, AEW doesn't have that. You know, they need, they need to get you to, the, to buy the pay-per-view, not give you that match then. That's just my opinion. Also, I just want to touch on what Matt said. When we went to G1 Supercard, the fans that go to an event like that are way different than the fans that go to a WWE event. They're knowledgeable uh, indie fans who most of them don't watch WWE. And I will give you a perfect example. We, You could ask Matt, I was joking around with the people around us that Endzone cast were going to come out. And lo and behold, I literally had no clue that they were coming and they came out and these people just like lost their minds. Like something terrible just happened to them. And it just proved to me that they, these people are just, they're different fans. And I think tying it all in together, those are the fans that would want the Iron Man matches and the two out of three fall matches. And I'm glad I went to that event, not just to see the wrestling, but we went to WrestleMania the next day and it was just, I mean, it's polar opposite events, polar opposite. And 
I'm glad I got to experience that. Uh, with that being said, uh, it was great being on with you guys today, and I had a great time, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Yes, absolutely. I want to say, uh, you know, thank you to you both, Adam, Jared. Thank you for, you know, taking time out of the day to come and do our first, uh, you know, pretty much demo podcast of the questioning marks here. Uh, you know, we are missing two of our resident historians, Sean and Bill, and we hope that, you know, uh, once they are able to join us, it will bring another layer to this podcast in terms of uh, tying in, you know, what's happening now and to tying in what happened, you know, back in the day into maybe how, you know, the storylines would have been different, you know, in times like that. So I do want to say, you know, thank you all. Keep keep watching your wrestling. Keep being the marks that you are out there. Uh, don't ever be you know embarrassed that you're into wrestling because it is awesome thing and if people think that you're you know a loser for watching wrestling or anything like that then yeah pretty much screw them give them a nice stone cold stunner put them in a figure four leg lock and then give them a little rikishi ass to the face you know so or call the questioning marks and we'll throw them through some tables yeah exactly um so with that being said thank you guys all for listening we hope that you guys one more thing and it Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what anyone thanks <laughs> it doesn't exactly all right so thank you guys the questioning marks are out episode one thank you very very much have a good day everybody